As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Dead Man Talking. Tonight's show is a quick and short compilation of Jim Lawrence stories, the creator of the Scariest Thing in the Woods series, uh, having a bit of time with his family at the moment, but has been kind enough to send over two more short stories for myself and yourselves. As ever, please do let us know down below in the comments what you thought. Please do like and share. It really does help build the channel further. And helps our community grow, and of course, help us smash through that 30,000 subscriber mark. And if you didn't know already, YouTube have changed a few more things in the back end of the boring stuff. Um, your notification bell now has three different features. Um, so if you want to stay up to date with all of my community posts, all of my videos, etc., uh, make sure that the notification bell is set to all posts and all notifications. Without further ado, let's... Get into tonight's story from Jim Lawrence, entitled The Legend of the Hog Valley. Let's get straight into that. A six-year-old boy sits with his grandfather in the kitchen as Granny makes blackberry jelly. The year is 1962 and it's summer. We have a television set but we're listening to the radio. A news report breaks in with a report of an unexplained sighting of a creature, a beast that comes out of the woods by the cemetery. My Granny and Grandpa laugh. I asked him what's funny about a monster. Will it kill us all? No, Jimbo, it won't. 
My grandpa says, May, let's take Jimmy fishing today. I get excited. I love it outside, and we live on a farm. My mother isn't well, and well, Dad left. I don't think he likes me very much. Excitedly, I get the poles together, and we leave to go fishing. We're going to a place called Denton Creeks, and to get there, we have to drive by Roselawn Cemetery. I ask Grandpa where we were going to go fishing at, and he tells me Hog Valley. My eyes get wide, and my six-year-old self is scared. I stammer out, the, the, the monster. My grandma says, it will not bother us. We get to the old bridge and take the poles out of the car, and begin making our way down the bank to the creek. I see the rusted-out body of an old, overturned car. We set up to fish as a large snake swims by. Granny throws a rock at it, and it hisses at her. Again, I'm scared. Grandpa Homer, yes, my grandfather's name was Homer, so no Simpson jokes, please. Says, a lot of things out here, Jimmy, can hurt you, but only if you let them. Your grandmother doesn't like snakes, so she tossed a rock at it. Now it's mad. No different from anything or anyone for that matter. I brought you out here for a reason. Why, Grandpa? I thought you might want to... I brought you out here for a reason. Why, Grandpa? I asked. I thought you might want to hear the story of the Hogman. All sound for me stopped as I focused on my Grandpa's words. <sighs> How long has it been, Jew? That's my grandmother's nickname. I think twenty years now, on a very rainy night, a man drove along this very road, and as he crossed this very bridge, it fell through. That's the old car laying over there. This place just wasn't given the name Hog Valley for nothing. There were a lot of wild hogs out here. You know how I tell you to keep away from that old sow when she has a litter? I nod my head. Like I've told you once, a hog has the smell and the taste of blood. They will turn on it and eat it. And that's what happened to that man. He wasn't dead, but his face was cut up pretty bad. And those wild hogs got the scent of blood. They tried to pull him out of the wreckage... And well, long story short, his face was pretty well torn up before someone or some people managed to get down here and help him out. He was in hospital for weeks, but they couldn't fix his face. He was finally released, and most people, well, when they saw that face, they shied away. His friends, his family, and mostly his young wife, they wanted nothing to do with him. I guess they were just afraid of his disfigured face. He kind of hid away for a spell, but every time people saw him, they would look at him in disgust and then move away until they started to get used to him. And then, they started to make fun of him. Just like that snake your granny threw the rock at, he got mad. And the madder he got, he lost the grip he had on his mind, and he finally went crazy. He started hurting people. Some folks say he went as far as to wear a mask made from one of those hogs that were down here. They tried to find him, but he knew where to hide down here. And they never did. No one knew what happened to him. After a time, he just kind of faded away. Maybe got sick and died. Maybe one of the farmers out here shot him and didn't report it to the sheriff. We didn't know. Until about ten years ago, he seemed to pop up then. And heard a few people scared a bunch more. And then, as before, nothing for about ten years. Then, around this time, he shows up again. 
I don't think we have anything to worry about, though. Not at least for another ten years. I turned sixteen last April, Grandpa. And Granny, uh, what? I turned sixteen last April. Granny and Grandpa are both gone, and the farm was sold. But Mum's no longer sick, and I have a great stepdad. He's a country boy like my family, and we spend our time, free time, hunting and fishing. I'm also a scout, youngest Eagle Scout in the district. Also an arrow man. I was baptised in the woods a couple of years ago. There is no place I'm more at home. I am what is called a green bar in my troop, along with my friends, Ricky, Carl and Chris. There is a BSA camp in the area, and it's called Hills and Hollows. It's like our second home. I even go out there by myself to relax in nature and just let it take away all of my griefs. It is a great camp. It's down in the hollows, next to the Roselawn Cemetery, and you guessed it, Hog Valley. My troop is camping at H&H for the weekend. The first thing a troop normally does when camping there is to walk along the border of Denton Creek and the camp. There is a real reason we do this, but I will not get into it at this time. I decide to make the walk along the creek and take one of the three patrols on the trip with me. We are walking along the creek and I decide to have a little fun. I start to tell the younger scouts about the Hogman and the legend of the area. I even go as far as to challenge the monster at the top of my lungs. Hey Hog Valley Monster, why don't you come out tonight? That night, at the troop campfire, I told the story the same way my grandfather told me when I was six. Though I do admit to telling it just a little more dark and spooky than it was told to me. The campfire over, everyone settled into their patrol areas. Rick, Carl, Chris and myself thought about getting a game of fox and hound running. We were in the hollow behind the campsites. Carl, the athlete of the group, wanted to go check out the O&A ring. Ricky and him went to see if any work needed to be done on it tomorrow. Chris and I started up the hill to Site 1. As we approached the wolf patrol site, we were lit up by flashlights. Who's there? One calls out. Jim and Chris, I yelled back as we walk into the campsite. Hey Jim, Chris, wow that was a scary story you told tonight. <laughs> I laugh, just something my grandpa told me. You guys want to get everyone together for a game of fox and hound? Everyone seemed excited about the prospects. As I move off to tell the other two patrols, Panther and Beaver, along with our scoutmasters, about what we were planning to do. Then all of a sudden, we heard Ricky yell out, Hey guys, wait up. Something is not right out here. I lost Carl in the bushes. Then all at once, Rick lets out this scream of pure terror. He starts tearing up the hill. Rick runs into the campsite as white as a ghost, stammering, There is something out there. Out there, Carl took off. I, I don't know where he is. Rick, I say, tell me what you saw. All Rick could do was say, big. It, it was big. A scoutmasters came running over to see what was going on. After hearing about what happened, one said, Okay guys, you're taking this scary stuff too far. I want everyone to turn in for the night. We have had enough excitement for one day. Ricky kept insisting that he saw something big out there. I even chimed in. Look, if it were me saying this, you could say I was joking, because I most likely would be. But this is Ricky. He doesn't do stuff like that. And the scoutmaster said, Hmm, unless you convinced him to. Go to bed. But sir, I said, no, no buts, Jim. You would think an Eagle Scout would have more responsibility than to do something like this. I say, but Carl is still out there. He 
knows this camp like the back of his hand. When he sees it isn't working, he'll come in. Now, gentlemen, go to bed. Chris, Rick and myself go out to our tents and among ourselves decide we have to go out there and find Carl. Chris was never baptised by the forest like I was. Whatever it is about me, I'm not afraid and I'm going out to find my friend no matter what. Ricky says he's going with me and I tell Chris not to worry. Someone has to stay here in case something happens. Rick and I both strap on our knives, canteens and first aid kits though I wish I had my shotgun or my dad's hunting rifle. We then head over to the hill Rick had run up. Wolf Patrol wasn't asleep and they were keeping watch next to their fire. I told him what we were going to do and they tried to stop me but they knew they couldn't. Like I said, I'm the crazy one of the group and I have no fear. We head off down the hill into the hollow and at the bottom of the hollow I realise that I can't pick up a trail in the pitch black. Rick and I talk. Carl wanted to go to the Owen A ring. I can find that in the dark so we head in that direction. Both of us feel it and we are not alone. I've been in this forest over a hundred times and I hear nothing. We make the far side of the camp and start up the hill. This is kind of a valley but we have to go up this hill and then down the other side to get to the ONA circle. I tell Rick to be careful. There's also a large cobhead den in this area so watch your step. At the top of this hill you can see the cemetery clearly. There is something else there. It looks like a man, maybe six feet tall, standing in the moonlight. I ask Rick, is this what he saw? He's not certain. Then the world falls apart as from across the hollow lights start to shine and the car horns start to blare. This man turns and looks right at us. His face is horrible. I tell Rick to run for the main camp. Make them believe. Get the police out here. I will lead him in the other direction. Rick takes off. I stand up. Hey, you ugly mother... Catch me if you can. This thing produces a large hunting knife as I take off down a hollow. It is too late to mention I'm not the athlete of this group. I'm kind of overweight and not that fast. My only saving grace right now is that I know this forest and I can navigate it in the dark. I stop to get my bearings. In the moonlight, I know exactly where I'm at. I take my canteen off and take a big swig and toss it over the log, about ten feet in front of me. I reverse my direction and move off up the hollow. A few minutes later, I hear the scream, and then... Then a man curse, followed by another scream. I'm so glad that the cobberheads are creatures of habit and return to the same den every single year. I still hear the horns blaring, and now added with a policeman on a bullhorn, calling my name. I head for the ONA ring, and I finally make it. The forest seems normal. I hear my name. I look up. It's Carl as he climbs down from a tree and he tells me that he was chased by something or someone. He wasn't sure what. I tell him it's time to get out of here. About 30 minutes later, we're climbing the hill to the campsites. The police are there, along with a very angry-looking scoutmaster. Long story short, when it gets light and I lead them down to the area I lord who or whatever into, there was a large hunting knife on the ground. I tell the officer not to retrieve it, as it's in the middle of a large copperhead nest. With this entire episode behind us, the police report said it was a man trying to grow illegal substance in the back of the camp. I don't believe it. I chose to believe that every ten years, the Hogman came out seeking vengeance for those that ridiculed him.
the blue light. Let's get straight into that. In my younger years, I was a scout. My troop was very well known. We camped every year at a camp in the mountains in New Mexico. One year, I was hired by them as a ranger. There is a natural phenomenon on one of the messes. A strange blue light can be radiating from the mountain on certain nights. No one has ever been able to figure out who or how it happens. Camping is forbidden on the mesa due to something strange that happened up there once. Many of us rangers have scoured the mesa. It wasn't difficult and again nothing was ever found there. But still, no one was allowed to camp up there. One night I was out doing something in one of the camps on the trails and got held up till almost nightfall. I started back to base camp and then realised I was out too far to get back in time to eat and yes, I was hungry. Standing at the base camp of the Mesa, I could circle around it and be back in about four hours. I could cross it and be back in two. So, with my stomach growling, my decision was made and I scowled the Mesa. Once up on top of it, it was just a flat run. I'm in decent shape so I started out on a jog across the top. As I was jogging to the other side, I noticed a fire in the distance. Remember earlier, I had said no one was supposed to be camping up here. So, as to my job, I went over to check things out. I got over there quickly, and I saw an old man sitting on a log by his campfire. I approached and sat next to him, introduced myself, but he never raised his head, but he began to speak. It's been twenty years to the day. It was the perfect trek. We'd been out 16 days. Oh, the fun, the camping, the swimming. We saw bison and bears, wolves and elk. The boys had a wonderful time. And so did the leaders. There were three of us. I remember hearing about the trek, three leaders and 20 boys. The leaders, they disappeared, I thought to myself. The last night camped out at the base of the mesa. It was the first night that the light, those cursed blue lights, had been seen. The light circled the top of the mesa. It was like they dared us to climb and see what they were. We three leaders talked among ourselves. If we don't climb, the boys will think of us cowards. We didn't know what it was, if it was harmless or dangerous. We decided we had to climb it, and so we devised a plan. The first of us would climb up a third of the way, light his torch, and the second would then join him and they would climb two-thirds of the way together, and then the last leader would finish the climb with them to the top. So we started to climb. The first of us started to climb, and when he reached what he thought was a third of the way up, he lit his torch, waved it over his head. Then the blue light seemed to engulf him. The torch went out, and there was a scream, and then nothing but silence. No torch, no light, no leader. The second leader had to find out and so started to climb and climb. He finally reached two-thirds of the mark. He lit his torch and waved it over his head, but just as before, the blue light fell on him. The torch went out, and a single scream, No! No torch, no blue light, no leader. I couldn't back out. I had to see what happened. Though the boys begged me not to go, I started to climb. I found the first torch a third of the way up, but no one was there either. I continued to climb, and then I found the second torch, about two-thirds up, and again, nothing else there. I could see the campfires below from my camp, but I had to find out. I had to climb to the top. I finally reached the top. I looked out of the mesa, and there was nothing there. 
I looked down at the campfires from our trek, burning brightly. I lit the torch. As I waved it over my head, the blue light appeared. It was like mist. The torch went out. I was encircled by this blue mist. And then I saw the eyes, two pairs of blazing yellow eyes, coming for me. I ran. They continued to come after me. I kept running. I ran. I ran. I ran. The old man slipped over. I tell him not to worry and I will get him down. As I tried to help him up, he falls to the ground. His head leans over, his mouth wide open. And a strange blue mist is pouring out of his mouth until it completely engulfs the area. Then I see the eyes myself. I turn to run and then... Ah! Wow. Awesome stuff, Jim. Thank you ever so much for those short but exquisite stories. Hope you guys and girls enjoyed that as much as I. Uh, Please do as ever. Do let us know down below in the comments what you thought. Again, if you yourself have a story that you'd like to share with us here on the show, whether it be a true or fictional piece, you can do so by, of course, submitting that at the website, which is www.dmtforestoffear.com. I hope you're all well and happy and looking forward to a week ahead. Uh, we've got some brand new tech, as I mentioned, on the community. T- so I should be able to get the uh, uploads back to two, maybe three a day uploads. Um, full steam ahead. As ever, huge, huge thank you to all the authors that helped me build this channel and our community. And above all, remember, be safe, not sorry. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.